welcome to the classroom. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's always like a lull. I'm Haley. <laughs> I'm Brad. And and today we are talking about half uh, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Um, Who? That's there. There's a lot we can talk about. There's a lot we will begrudgingly talk about in this one. I think a point that I'd like to bring up first is that. This book is a lot better than we both remember it. It's a lot yeah. higher up on that list. I, like, personally, <laughs> we were talking about this off mic, but, of course, like, originally my my favorite book has always been Prisoner of Azkaban, but after reading this one again, I mean, it's been a while since I've read it, but mm-hmm. this was, it was good. Yeah. I genuinely was like, oh, I enjoy this. Like, I had trouble putting it down, which is odd for me. Like, I usually do pretty well about when to cut off reading. I stayed up till 4 a.m. the other day finishing this, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I've made an error. But um, but I guess we'll go ahead and start off like we usually do, going kind of chapter by chapter, kind of plot point by plot point. I don't – it always changes. Yeah, this, this one is going to be, I think, similar to Goblet of Fire because there's a lot that happens in this, um, some important, some not – but like um, but, some are like not important, but also fun to talk about. Yeah, there, there's just there's a lot of individual points that we that we need to hit on. But also, if we go chapter by chapter, we're gonna get stuck on ones that we don't need to hit on, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a whole thing. We'll be here for, for so yeah, long. It's gonna be <laughs> the radio. The radio version will just be chapter. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we'll go ahead, and I think I don't remember who kicked off last time but i guess i'll go ahead and start this time um so we start off with we meet the new minister of magic uh we meet the old minister old minister of magic and we also get introduced to the prime minister of england at the time or of the uk at the time mm-hmm. um we kind of see them do a little bit of talking about what's happening um in the wizarding world we learned that there voldemort is back full swing that he's been killing some people and leaving them on the doorsteps of both ministries. Also, they destroyed, <laughs> like, half of London, which is, like, yeah. fun. Um, which which leads us to the next chapter, which kind of cuts into spin- uh, Spinner's End. We see Bellatrix Lestrange and Narcissa Malfoy turn out to be sisters. <laughs> I think that's where we learn this. Um, and they... Um, I believe it originally called them cousins, but in this it calls them sisters. And they are. Yeah, it's um, just, it's strange. Right. But they, they meet up with Snape at his house, which we learned Snape lives in a muggle village, which I find very, like, mm, anyhow, we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but they make an unbreakable vow that Snape will protect Draco, um, as Voldemort has given Draco a very difficult task. And we, we don't learn what that is. We finally get to come back to Harry um, in the will and won't. Um, this is also the first chapter that we hear Harry called the chosen one. Mm-hmm. But if you want to pick up there, Brad, yeah. you can go for it. Uh, so Dumbledore kind of scoops him, uh, scoops him up from uh, staying at the at the Dursleys for a bit, uh, and they're heading towards uh, the the Weasley residence, the the burrow, uh, and they they go, oh, hold on. I got to take a little bit of a pit, uh, pit stop real quick, Harry. I got to get some snacks. Got to get a new professor real quick. You know how it goes. <laughs> As it be at Hogwarts. Um, so they they stop by at uh, Slughorns for a bit. And uh, I'm trying to think of if it's really important. He turns into a chair. That's kind of fun. <laughs> That's kind of fun and quirky. That's well, his sort of thing. Well, we meet, we meet Slughorn. Um, we don't know what he's going to teach. We assume it's going to be defense against dark arts, mm-hmm. which we're wrong. He 
ends up teaching potions. Um, and we, we see that Dumbledore is using Harry to try to lure Slughorn into Hogwarts. And we also learn that Slughorn is a bit of a student collector, which is gross, but yeah. we'll touch on that later. Um, and, and of course, by the time Slughorn agrees to come with Hogwarts, Dumbledore's like, okay, let's go, Harry. Time to drop you off with the Weasleys. Um, they, they roll into the burrow at the, like the crack of dawn, and, and Miss Weasley, of course, just immediately welcomes Harry into their house. And it's like, all right, uh, well, I'm warning you, Bill is here with Fleur. And Harry's like, oh, okay. I'm like, oh, by the way, Bill and Fleur are getting married. And Harry's like, hmm, cool, that's cool. Um, but then we see the the girls of the Weasley family, including Hermione, do not vibe with not, Fleur. Yeah, not taking that crap at all. None of that. And, of course, uh, that then goes into uh, them going to Diagon Alley. We see that Fred and George have started their joke shop in, in Diagon Alley. Um, providing like a little bit of light in the, the darkness that begins to f- settle upon the wizarding world. We also see Harry like high key judging Malfoy um, as they're going in to get new cloaks. Um, and then we see the like the the tension between um, Narcissa and Harry specifically. Like Narcissa's ready to beat Harry up in the middle <laughs> of the cloak shop, which is like okay, Draco. Um, which leads us into them going to Hogwarts, of course. Oh, you want to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> I'm gonna sit here and ramble until you tell me to stop talking. <laughs> uh, he also, I did. Did you mention that uh, he said? Oh, the he went was... to. Oh gosh, Go... that he went to Borgen and Burks, and Harry found him. Yes. Uh, so, um, quickly while he was there, uh, he Harry saw uh, Draco at Borgen and Burks doing some uh, sus stuff, uh, <laughs> and uh, met up with a. Uh, he, 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 he's like meeting up with weird people and he's kind of just like, you know what? I think Draco's going to be a death eater. Harry's usual stuff of I'm blaming this person and saying they're going to be evil despite having very little evidence. And for once, Ron and Hermione are like, "Mm, you're probably wrong. (laughs) But also for a strange twist, he's He's right. (laughs) So like, that's fun and quirky. Um, Um, so there's, there's a little bit of going through, uh, Snape is the, uh, Snape's the defense against arts, arts teacher. Slughorn's the potion teacher. Harry's actually getting a decent education in potions as well. Uh, so far new, (laughs) yeah, which is uh, a a new take on that. Um, but it's also mainly because Harry gets a, like a used potions textbook, uh, by someone who's like, uh, calls themselves the half blood prince, a stupid name for a stupid person. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I'm gonna be ragging on that. You're later. not. You're not wrong. Keep going. <laughs> um, so he's uh he's doing this uh he he's sort of uh, learning from this. It's like telling him kind of cheat codes and potions. Um, and as it's uh, as it's going through later, uh, Dumbledore sort of meets up with them and it's like, hey, uh, I'm gonna take you aside. We're gonna be doing some pensive lessons. Uh, if if you don't mind, Harry. It's like, uh, yeah, sure. That's that's uh that's cool with me. That sounds real fun. Uh, and then it is not fun. Spoiler alert for, for poor <laughs> Harry. He does not have a great time. They're sort of diving into memories um, of people who had died in contact of Voldemort. Right. Uh, uh, and it's also uh, Dumbledore saying that like if Harry can learn enough about what happens with Voldemort, then maybe he can stop himself from sort of following that path and also be able to stop Voldemort himself. Right. And and kind of hop back to when they're, when they're on the train to 
go to Hogwarts oh, yes. is when we we get introduced to Slughorn as the professor. We mm-hmm. see that he he is still collecting students. He invites Harry and Neville and a handful of other people who have famous connections in some way um, to have lunch with him on the on the Hogwarts Express, um, including Jenny, who's only there because she cursed somebody, and he was like, "Hey, that's that's pretty cool." <laughs> and then we're kind of set up that Slughorn is very just not gross, but very. Ooh, I like this student. I'll teach them a little bit more. And Hermione does not vibe with that mm-hmm. at all. He's kind of like that teacher uh, in school. Where you're like, hmm, I don't like that you're asking that person to stay after class. This is mm, weird. You know, like, a little sus. Yeah. Um, but, of course, the first memory that Harry is thrown into um, with uh, about Voldemort is of his family. Um, we meet the Gaunts, and we learn their ties to both dark magic and, and to Slytherin specifically. And that they are also parcel, they're parcel tongues, which I think is one of the most important things to learn mm-hmm. from this. There are two children. Um, they're known for being muggle-hating, despite living in a muggle village. Um, and the girl, the, the daughter, is in love with this very beautiful muggle boy. Um, which and... this must be a rough thing for this village. Like, that's not really talked about. This village must be in, like, a real bad state like they are constantly being harassed by their literal magical neighbors like that's gonna yeah be and they're like hey um can you stop making us almost dead and they're like oh, no nah. um and of course that's we get the perspective of the ministry officer being like hey please make your son son stop beating up people and the dad's like no <laughs> um how about you're next and he's like whoa what <laughs> um Anyhow, we get to learn that Harry, of course, is Quidditch captain, mm-hmm. which is like a big thing for Harry. He is just like, heck yeah, I'm, you know. And and we see the tryouts where Ron is just very anxious and Ginny is just, you know, being Ginny and kind of ragging on him and stuff. The whole Quidditch year is just very odd. Obviously, mm-hmm. Umbridge's lifelong band did not <laughs> last because um, Dumbledore said, you're captain now, Harry. I also think it's important to note that uh, Harry getting elected captain, uh, it, it plays in later, but this is sort of the beginning of where we see he's kind of spreading himself a little thin uh, throughout school. Oh, yeah. he's He becomes super busy mm-hmm. at this point. He, um, of course, he's, he's Quidditch captain. He's doing really, like, he has so many classes and stuff. Um, and I think that's, that's an important thing to note about why he ends up getting a used textbook for potions is because he did not think he was going to be able to take potions. Mm-hmm. And then McGonagall handing out the schedules was like, I got you. <laughs> yes, you can take it. There's a different professor now. And Harry's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, we see the first Hogsmeade weekend, uh, which leads to – we start to see, like, Harry developing a crush on Jenny, but it's one of those, like, oh, maybe she could just hang out with us. And he's like, wait a second. Oh, no. <laughs> These are feelings. Um, and on their way back from Hogsmeade, they realize that Katie Bell, the ch- Harry's one of Harry's returning chasers, has been cursed, which is, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Problematic. Right, right. Um, we also see there, too, is um, Harry is starting to experiment with things that are coming out of the, the Half-Blood Prince's textbook, mm-hmm. um, specifically this, this nonverbal charm, which just yanks Ron out of his bed as he's asleep and hangs him by the ankle from the ceiling. And Harry's like, oh, oh no. And I, that's one of my favorite lines from Ron. He's like, hey, uh, I'd rather you just set an alarm tomorrow. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Um, anyhow. Uh, that was a bit of a tangent, but we see Katie Bell is cursed, um, and, and nobody can figure out why. And Harry's like, "Malfoy did it! I know it!" And Ron and Hermione are like, "Hey, Harry, buddy, um, Malfoy wouldn't have been in the girls' bathroom. I highly doubt it was Malfoy." He's like, "No, I know it." 
Um, and that's when we see kind of Harry's obsession with Malfoy really start to rise. Because mm-hmm. that also becomes one of the big time pieces in Harry's schooling days is worrying about whatever Draco Malfoy happens to be doing. I I think when I was first reading this, I thought for sure it was like, that's something else. Like, he's not getting with Ginny, right? Like he has, He's a little gay. <laughs> he, there's a little bit more than a fixation with Malfoy. Which I think we can talk about, about that a little bit later, too. Yeah, that's fair. Sorry. <laughs> because there's a, there's a couple characters in this in this book specifically that I'm like, ooh, they're straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Question mark? Um, anyhow, um, but we see that the, uh, Katie Bell has been moved to St. Mungo's. Harry is like, crap, now I need a new a new Quidditch chaser. He brings on his friend Dean, who also happens to be Jenny's boyfriend, which I think is an important thing to note because Harry gets jealous. <laughs> um, we then get to see another memory of of um, Tom Riddle. Um, it's after Riddle has been born. Uh, we learn that his mom his mom dies as he as she is giving birth to him. His dad flees after the love potion wears off because his mom, uh, Voldemort's mother, drugs this boy marries him gets pregnant stops giving him a love potion he realizes that he's been like you know that whole and he goes back to their muggle village Mm -hmm. and she's left pregnant um with who then becomes tom riddle she shows up on the steps of this orphanage and is like hi his name is tom marvolo riddle for his dad for my dad and yeah and he just she just dies and so we get to we get to meet kind of how Tom Riddle is in his early years. We see he is bullying children. He is being um, he's being very manipulative to the, the staff of this orphanage. Um, and when Dumbledore comes in and is like, hey, we're willing to take him to our very special magical school, the, the head of the orphanage is like, thank God. Please. Take him, take him, take him. And Dumbledore's like, okay. And we get to see that Voldemort's, be- or Tom Riddle, rather, is being very, like, I'll do everything myself. Thank you, miscellaneous magic man. I don't need you. And then Harry comes out of the memory and he's like, oh my gosh, okay, he took he took being a wizard very, very nicer than I did. <laughs> it took me a while to actually process the fact that I was with magic and Dumbledore's like, yeah. Uh, he always knew he was better than everybody else and this just confirmed his theory. Um, but then, of course, we see that that Harry is starting to freak out about Quidditch as they get closer and closer to it because all the practices leading up to this Quidditch match have been bad. Um, oh, we forgot to mention the fact that, that Harry gets a, a luck potion from Slughorn in their first potions class mm-hmm. because, all, you know, plot. Yeah. Um, he, he gets a luck potion. It becomes it becomes a MacGuffin later. It's right, fine. right, exactly. Um, and we see him per- pretend to slip the, the luck potion to Ron before their Quidditch match, and Ron plays amazingly um and hermione's like oh my gosh you cheated and harry's like shut up hermione i didn't cheat (laughs) um but then we see ron get with lavender brown and it is it's one of those like gross high school relationships of people like sucking their face in the hallway Mm -hmm. and you're like oh um and then we with that that place we also get to see jenny be a little bit of like you hypocritical brat ron how dare you ever say anything to me about making up with my boyfriend in public you are disgusting look at what you're doing yeah. and ron's like oh well and then yeah um we get into christmas um where we see that slughorn is having his usual he's throwing a party and he's invited what he has been donating as the slug club which is his his collection of students basically um they all have dates to the to the you know to the event and we see that some of the girls are starting to get very gross towards harry 
um, trying to slip him love potions and trying to kind of persuade him to take them to the to the dance. Um, Which really is, I will say, it is not played up as much as it should be of these people right. trying to basically magic roofy Harry <laughs> yeah. Potter. Um, but it, kind of to avoid the that he's like, hey, Luna, do you want to go to this dance with me as friends? And Luna's like, oh, yeah, of course, let's go. Um, and we see Hermione, in order to try to get back at Ron, takes McLagan, this gross dude who also went out for Quidditch Keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's basically sexually harassing her the entire time. And Hermione's like, I'm just going to leave. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head out. Um, of course, Harry disappears to go to, to eavesdrop on Malfoy mm-hmm. and Snape, where he gets a little bit more plot about the fact that Snape is trying to protect Malfoy but he and he's also trying to like help Malfoy but Harry can't figure out what mm-hmm. um and he just assumes it's about death eater things which turns out for once he's right <laughs> um which takes us to Christmas at the borough right yeah uh, yeah they go they go back for their Christmas break now mm-hmm. uh, uh on the break Harry's sort of telling uh Ron what he ho- uh what he heard and Ron's like hey uh that could be literally anything, dude. Like, you need to calm down. Um, and then also, we, we find out that Remus has been given a shorter stick than ever before. Right. Uh, and getting, he's like, hey, uh, Remus, you got to go on Dumbledore's order. You have to go live with uh, this group of werewolves that not only exiled you, but like. Also include the werewolf that caused your yeah that caused you to be a werewolf yeah literally the person that infected you with like lycanthropy is what I believe it's called yeah um I think his name was Greyback Grey yeah Frenier yeah. yeah um also we get to see that weird scene that <laughs> the star on the top of the Weasley's tree is a gnome they pulled out of the garden stunned and painted gold <laughs> that has no importance to the plot that's just hilarious. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think Magic Peta probably has an <laughs> issue with that, but they're also the the gnomes are rude, so like it makes it oh kind of okay. I think I don't know. It's really weird. It's strange. I'm just imagining like if a dog barks at you too loud, you're like, you know what? Now you're my tree topper. Way to go. Yeah, but I got I got a nice I got like a nice little place in the tree that I can tape you to. You'll just hang there. I'll feed you every day. This is a weird... I'm That's go- going to get cut. Yeah, I'm going to move on. <laughs> um, we do get to see this really awesome scene between kind of Lupin and Harry. Because um, this is one of those scenes that we get to see that, oh, they're still kids. Like, they're still, like, you know, just being a family and, like, you know, hanging out. Um, but we see this scene between Lupin and and Harry. Harry is like, you're normal. You, you have no problem. And then we get the fact that Lupin just starts laughing. And he's just like, you remind me so much of James. He used to call it my... He used to call me being a werewolf my furry little problem. And people just assumed I had a mean rabbit. And it's just like, I love that so much. Mm-hmm. It, it does nothing for the plot. I just love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yet again, I just love Remus Lupin. And I think that's the biggest part of my my personality on this podcast. <laughs> um, we do see, of course, that Ron is starting to get cold feet with Lavender. as She is going a little, little crazy. Um, yeah. They've been together for like a month, month and a half. And she's like, oh, yes, here you go. Here's this this Christmas gift that is very, very ugly. And Harry's like, oh, buddy, <laughs> got a good one there. And Ron's like, oh, shut up, okay. <laughs> um, after, when they head back to Hogwarts, oh, 
um, the Minister of Magic swings by the borough yeah. to try to interrogate Harry and get, like, he wants Harry to be the poster boy of the ministry. I think he also wants, if I remember correctly, he wants him to tell him the prophecy because, like, at this point, Dumbledore has not told mm-hmm. very few, uh, like, Nobody, very people. only people who know the prophecy are Dumbledore and Harry. And and Voldemort yeah. in extension, but mm-hmm. he knows it. He didn't hear it originally. He heard it through the grapevine, yeah. which we that's a, that'll come up in a minute. Um, but we see scrim, Scrimmager. I always called him Scrimmager. I don't think that's his actual name. I can't remember how it's pronounced. I think um, I thought I thought it was. It's like French. He's like Frenchy. I thought it was like scr- uh, Scrimmager, but <laughs> either way, the new minister for magic, Scrimmy, um, yeah, Scrimmy boy. <laughs> he is trying to be like, hey Harry, how about every once in a while you pop into the ministry? We'll take some like promotional photos, um, and you become the poster boy of the ministry. And Harry's like, no, go to hell. <laughs> Even even though he does later on, even though he does literally become the poster boy in the in the nineteen years later. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Um, that's a whole different like why J.K. Rowling made Harry a wizarding cop. I will never understand. Um, but we get the line that oh, so your your um, Dumbledore's man through and through, and he's like, yep, I sure am. Um, which is like oh, okay. Um, but when they when they go back to Hogwarts, um, of course Harry has another memory with, um. With Dumbledore and the the fat lady has the fat lady uh, has changed the the common room password to abstinence, <laughs> which has not yet again has nothing to do with the plot, but it's just so funny. This is yeah, this is what we meant at the beginning. There's a lot of there's a lot Little. in this book, and a lot of it is important, and a lot of it is not, but it is worth like, bringing up. Yeah, so. I was gonna say because it gives the book its like. This is probably one of the funniest books. This is yeah, it's funny. Oddly, it has, it, it has not only do the characters have a lot of personality in this, but the book itself has a lot of personality with it. Uh, and right. I, I think it is. I think it's definitely the best book in the Harry Potter series. But taken taken away from the rest of the context, I don't think it's the best. Yeah, I think and this kind of goes. Back, we're gonna pause real quick and let you process what we've been telling, um, and then we'll go back. I want to hop back on the fact that like. Like we said, I think Prisoner of Azkaban could stand alone as its own book. Mm-hmm. Like you could read Prisoner of Azkaban without reading any other Harry Potter book, and you're like, "Oh, I'm only like a little lost," but this makes sense. Like it catches you up pretty well. Um, so therefore, it's a, it's a good, but it's one of the better books in the series. Mm-hmm. Whereas this book, without the other books, if you have not read every other book before this, then it makes no sense. No. However, in the can- like in the in the pacing it has, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so. I just love I love this book actually. It is I will say it is a little bit fan servicey at times, mm-hmm. I feel like. However, I think that it has a little bit of a charm to it. It's not the it's not the The best. humor is pretty yes. uh, like good too. It's it's evenly spaced out. Um mm-hmm. we get like good lines. Of course we get the Harry, uh there's no need to call me sir professor, <laughs> which is like so good. Um we get a lot of those like quippy little one liners that mm-hmm. are that are like when you think of Harry Potter, you think of it, you know. Yeah. Um and like like the scene um, right before the of course that we learned that the fat lady has changed the the name to abs- the password to abstinence, um, Harry has that line at Miss Weasley Mrs Weasley as she is you know sending them back, and he's like she's like you know you guys look after yourselves stay out of trouble, and Harry's like I always do Miss Weasley Mrs Weasley you know I like the quiet life you know how I am, and she just goes whatever okay <laughs> be safe I guess. Um, but <laughs> we get through and we learn that the last memory Dumbledore has to share with Harry is this manipulated memory from Slughorn, mm-hmm. which is ultimately the reason that Dumbledore wanted Slughorn at the school. We learn that 
Voldemort asks Slughorn about these things called horcruxes, um, also known as the entire plot for the seventh book. <laughs> and we also see that they're they're doing apparition lessons. Um, and I'm trying to think. I think that's the biggest piece is, like, there's the manipulated memory. Um, and we also, I believe that's also, we get the scene with Voldemort visiting. Um, he starts to work at Borgen and, Bo- uh, Borgen and Burks. That's what it's called. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, over there in Nocturne Alley or whatever. Um, he Voldemort works there despite being like top of his class from Hogwarts and head boy and like just all overall like the best student ever. Um, he's working at the Stark Arts Store and everybody's like, "Wow, what a waste of talent." Okay, um, but we learn it's because he's kind of like milling around trying to get valuable artifacts to then, of course, assumedly to turn into his Horcruxes. Um, but as Harry's kind of having the realization about what her horcruxes are, um, it comes up onto Ron's birthday, um, in which Ron, um, you know, Harry gives Ron a couple of gifts or whatever, and Ron ends up taking the, ends up eating some of the chocolates that have been infused with the love potion mm-hmm. back from earlier <laughs> before the whole dance thing. Um, Ron is like oh my gosh i'm in love with this girl or whatever and so he's like crap harry harry then drags him down to slughorn's office and is like hey fix him and he does um but then he offers them a drink and it turns out the drink is poison um not because slughorn was trying to poison them but because somebody was trying to poison dumbledore through slughorn because it was supposed to be a gift for dumbledore from slughorn but that's a whole different yeah um Ron begins to, like, seize and stops breathing. Harry panics, uh, remembers one thing from the potions book, which was that you could solve, like, most most poisons can be antidoted by this, like, this one type of rock. So Harry just shoves a rock down Ron's throat. Uh, I think it was more of, like, a mineral. I think it was supposed okay. to be something. I am imagining, like, one of those, like, garden stones I... that are size of a football. Okay. What I... <laughs> here's, here's a quick tangent. Here's what I think it was supposed to be. I think it was trying to say that like it was like a sulfa drug because you get those from uh, yeah, rocks yeah. and that is basically it's a very early on sort of thing that cured a lot of diseases. I think that's what it was supposed to be an allusion I'm, to. I'm imagining a garden rock. Unless it was just a funny <laughs> little rock. Um, I am imagining Harry shoving this like, the, you know, like the ones that they have on like riverbanks to keep the hill from sliding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm imagining a rock that size. <laughs> and Harry's like, oh, just don't die. And you're like, wait a second. Anyhow, <laughs> tangent. Um, anyhow, so as, as Ron lives, um, we learn that Harry has put Dobby and Creature on Malfoy's tail. He is having the two of them track Malfoy wherever he goes. Creature, of course, is very upset about this. Mm-hmm. Oh, th- I guess after Sirius dies, way back at the beginning, we learn that he leaves everything to Harry, including the house elf and, and Grimmauld Place and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Harry has control over Creature. Um, and so he, they are tailing they're telling, uh, tailing Malfoy, and they realize Malfoy has been using the um, Room of Requirements. Mm-hmm. And of course, nobody can get in and out. And then Harry has the epiphany of like, of course, that's why I wouldn't have seen him on the on the Marauders map. He's disappearing. He is disappearing into a room nobody knew about. And <laughs> we also learn while Harry, while Ron is in the hospital, he has been pretending to be asleep every time Lavender comes <laughs> in, and Harry pops in before the Quidditch match where McLagan is playing in Ron's place. Um, and goes, hey, buddy, listen, uh, you got to stop pretending to be asleep when your girlfriend comes in because she's really starting to make me mad. For the love of God, just be awake for 20 minutes and pass out or something. I don't know. And Ron's like, okay, fine. Um, but then during the match, we see um, McLagan 
beats up Harry yeah. <laughs> with a bludger, with the bludger bat, um, which is like bold because Harry's the captain, um, splits his skull, and he's in the hospital wing. So that's like, oh, fun. And like I said, so we just, see just the team building. Thing. Right, you know, just the, just little quirky Quidditch things. <laughs> Um, but then we see, like I said, so this is when we get into the memory, um, after Harry gets out of the hospital wing, um, we, we see he has another meeting with Dumbledore, in which that's when he learns that that Voldemort's been trying to pillage around and find all these, like, artifacts of various Hogwarts, how, like, the original Hogwarts creators Mm -hmm. from Hufflepuff, of course, like, Helga Hufflepuff's cup, and, and we see Slytherin's locket, um, and he's like, oh, cool. And then he assumedly kills the woman, steals the things, and then moves on. Mm-hmm. Um, we have no other memories of Voldemort, um, with the exception he comes in after Dumbledore has been headma- like, uh, you know, deemed headmaster and asks to teach DADA. And Dumbledore just goes, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, you, you can't work here. I, too bad. Um, and then that's when we learn, that's where the curse on the position of the Defense Against the Dark Arts comes in, that Dumbledore is basically just tells off who, you know, Tom Riddle, and is like, no, you can't work here, I don't care. Um, there were also, like, come on, Riddle, there's more than just Hogwarts, there's many other wizards. He could have went to Durmstrang. He could have worked at Durmstrang, he could have worked at... He, he could have worked at frickin' Ilvermorny, even though it was not <laughs> existed yet, but... No, it did it just it did but not in the canon no jk rowling was like oh wait i have american fans cool so like here's theirs <laughs> also that's a whole different can of worms um and they that's remain closed <laughs> right right um and then that's when we see that dumbledore is trying to explain to harry that the biggest difference between him and tom riddle is that harry is able to love and harry's like that's stupid but okay <laughs> I go to wizard school for seven <laughs> years, and you tell me the biggest magic is love? <laughs> it's like, oh, whatever. Um, anyhow, so then we learn, Harry then starts, begins to wander around the room of requirements, trying to track down Draco Malfoy. He is trying to get in there and see what Malfoy is doing, to which he's he ends up being late for, um, for Snape's class, which is just like, I don't know, you know, Snape being Snape. Um, he also runs into... Him and Hermione are walking around up on, the, on that floor, and they realize that there's this little girl with her little little scales, and they, you know, Hermione bumps into, or you know, comes up on them, and the girl just drops her scales, and Hermione's like, "Oh, I'll fix that for you." Um, later, we realize, oh, surprise, that's either crab or goyle, um, and they have been taking polyjuice potion to help protect the room of requirements while Draco's in there. They carry loud things so that way, if somebody shows up, they can drop them and let Draco know that he shouldn't come out of there, which is actually brilliant. It's really smart, and I don't know who thought of that. Like, I mean, probably, probably Malfoy. Probably Malfoy, but, like, I don't know. It's um, We also get to see um, Tonks a little bit in that chapter as well. He, she's very, very mousy and very upset, um, which is just, like, so not Tonks, and we'll get into that later, too. Um, and then we learn, of course, that the spider... <laughs> Oh, Aragog. Thank you. Aragog has died. Um, Hagrid is so upset about it, which is reasonable. But also Hagrid's like, hi, I know you guys can't sneak out of the castle. However, I can't handle burying him alone. Please sneak out of the castle. Mm -hmm. And Hermione's like, hey, Harry, don't do that. And Harry's like, "Um, hey, Harry, I'm going to do that. (laughs) Um, And so he he takes his, um, he's like, this is where I can get the full memory from Slughorn, Mm -hmm. which he's been tasked from Dumbledore to do. Dumbledore said, hey, Harry. 
Um, so we need that memory from Slughorn. Um, we're not going to have another meeting until you do that because I need it. And so Harry's like, okay, cool. I'm going to take this potion. And you know what? I'm actually going to go down and I'm going to go visit Hagrid with Aragog. Goes down there. They have this, you know, he bumps into Slughorn, who's like, you know what? I'll meet you down there. That, that kind of spider has some really good, good venom that I can use for some potions and things and selling it. So they go down there. Slughorn gets a blackout drunk. Um, At a funeral. Oh, right? Too, like, <laughs> like him and Haggard both like are blackout drunk, and Harry's just sitting there like, ha, ha, ha. Hey, so can I have that memory? And Slughorn drunkenly is like, don't think less of me, and then gives it to Harry. Harry, of course, runs to, to Dumbledore and is like, oh, man, I think he's here. And then the you know, nearly head, headless Nick pops in. He's like, he is here. <laughs> Let's go. Um, so Harry sprints off to Dumbledore's office. Um, they, they dive into the memory, and they realize that that Slughorn has walked Tom Riddle through how to make horcruxes, which is so it's he has to kill a man. He has to not a man, but he has to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Whisper an incantation, and then his soul is split and attached to these inanimate objects. And that is supposed to be how he can achieve immortality. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very, it is very phylactery esque, like sort of lich esque. I think that's mm-hmm. where she got the inspiration from. It's and it's also very. Um, that kind of magic is, first off, it's very dark. Also, no wizard has been known outside of Voldemort to have more than one or two horcruxes. He's only split his soul once. Because it makes you extremely unstable, both mentally and sort of physically just too. Physically. And then, and then Harry realizes he's like, oh, Voldemort has split his soul more than this. And Dumbledore's like, yeah, you've killed part of it before. You killed the diary, um, which turned out to be a horcrux. And of mm-hmm. course, the ring that ends up poisoning Dumbledore was a horcrux as well. And so we, we learn that, you know, this this is how Voldemort managed to survive after killing Harry. And Dumbledore's like, well, I have a, a little inkling of what the other two things could be, uh, but we're still short a couple because I think he has six. Seven pieces would be a very magical number, which is a number he mentions to Slughorn. And Slughorn's like, whoa, buddy, this is a hypothetical, right? And <laughs> Voldemort's like, <laughs> yeah, hypothetical. Ugh. Um, and then also explains why Voldemort looks less and less human the longer he goes through in his life. It's because he is literally less human. Anyhow, uh, so Harry's like, cool, all right. And Dumbledore's like, let me tell you what, next time I find one, I'll let you know. And we'll go, we'll go on an adventure. Harry's like, okay. So he goes back to his regular school days where the final Quidditch match is coming up. And he has Ron back and Katie Bell comes back. And he's like, oh, heck yeah. Awesome. We're going to win. I got the dream team. <laughs> like dream, tra- dream team is back. Um, of course, a little bit when Harry had the Flix- the Flix's Felix potion or whatever, Ron and Lavender break up. Also, Ginny and Dean break up. So like Harry's luck was really going strong there. So as we're rolling into this, he's like, oh, awesome. I'll have a- me and Jenny can celebrate the-, the win and Ron won't be too mad, hopefully. And, you know, all that good jazz. You know, the usual like mm-hmm. uh, I'm crushing on my friend's sibling kind of thing is – as you do. do, I guess. Um, but we see Harry uses the curse that he has found. He's been like seeing in the Half Blood Prince's book, which is I can't pronounce it. I don't know how to sectum sectum sempra. There we go. Um, so he ends up he he runs into Malfoy in the bathroom, and you see moaning Myrtle trying to comfort a very ups obviously like violently upset Malfoy. Malfoy is crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he comes in, and he's getting ready to Crucio Harry because he's like, hey, get out of here. And Harry's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, and they kind of start dueling back and forth. 
Uh, Malfoy goes to Crucio him. Harry uses that curse, which turns out to just make him bleed. Extre- like, profusely, like, like bursting blood Almost killed, chest. like, almost killing him. Harry freaks out, reasonably. He's like, oh, my God. You know, we just see Harry just freak out. Um, Snake comes in, saves Draco, runs him off, and is like, hey, uh, Harry, uh, you tried to kill him, so detention every Saturday till eternity, basically. And Harry's like, but the Quidditch match. <laughs> Snape's like, I don't give a crap, man. Which is, for once, It's fair. Reasonable. You cast a, that's a pretty crappy curse. Like, that's like. Right. And I mean, I mean no, it's effective. I want to make that very clear. <laughs> it's a very effective curse. However, However it's very not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's also lucky that uh, Snape was the one who caught him, so he knows how to heal, heal it and it, stop right. it. Because if not, Draco would be dead, and this book would be a little bit different. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so, and then we see McGonagall, of course, you know, Snape is like, cool, I'm taking you to your head of house. And McGonagall is like, you listen here. How dare you? Um, we also see that, that Snape uses legitimacy. That's not how you, anyhow. He does the, the oculumacy on Harry, um, to read his mind as to where he got the spell from. I think Snape already knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but Snape reads his mind, sees the potions book, is like, bring me your books right now. Harry runs up to Gryffindor and is like, Ron, give me your textbook right now. He throws the Half-Blood Prince's book into the Room of Requirements and then comes back down to Snape. Mm-hmm. And Snape's like, oh, so your name's Ron, uh, you know, Runal Willsby or whatever. And he's like, that's my uh, nickname. Very dark plot line, but like such a funny moment from yeah. Harry. Um Anyhow, and so that's when, you know, of course, like I said, so McGonagall lays into Harry reasonably, um, tells him you will take all the, you will take missing the Quidditch match, you will take all those detentions, you're lucky he didn't expel you, because let me tell you what, if he would have said to expel you, I probably would have, like, it's not out of, out of reason, um, and so then, then he's panicking, he's like, cool, I'm not gonna be at the Quidditch match, but we have to win, um, so Jenny ends up being seeker, of course, Dean hops back on the team, um, and they crush it. They end up winning. Um, and we get the the scene at the end as, as Harry's leaving detention and is like, oh, who won? And then, of course, Gryffindor won. And then him and Ginny end up making out in the middle of the common room. And then we get this like, this, like, oh, yes, Harry and Ginny are in love. And they are happy couple. And that's all anybody can talk about. And Harry's like, yeah, heck yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm, I'm a cool guy. <laughs> like, I'm cool. And then we learn. Um, so we bump into Professor Trelawney as Harry is going to have a meeting with Dumbledore, I believe, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's going to, he's, Dumbledore sent for him, so Harry goes to talk to Dumbledore, bumps into Professor Trelawney, who, of course, gave the, the prophecy from last book. Um, and we realize that Snape is the one who overheard Professor Trelawney give the prophecy. He is the one who gave the prophecy to Voldemort. Mm-hmm. He Snape directly caused Lily's death, but that's a whole Harry's immediately mad, understandably so, runs into Dumbledore and is like, what he he told him? He told Voldemort he's the reason my parents are dead. Like, oh my gosh. And Dumbledore's like, hey, I trust Snape. And Harry's like, what? He's like, anyhow, I found a I found a Horcrux. We should go ahead and head off. And Harry's like, I, I, can we dwell on this for a second? And then he's like, uh, nope, 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 no, no, we're just going to apparate. And Harry's like, well, I guess, okay. Um, and so Dumbledore's like, hey, by the way, I need your word that you will not, you won't disobey my orders. When I tell you to do something, you'll do it from this point on. And Harry's like, yeah, I, I, I will. And he's like, even if I tell you to run and protect yourself, Harry's like, well, I don't know about that. And Dumbledore's like, 
you'll say it or you won't go. Harry's like, okay, fine. If you tell me to run away, I'll run away. Um, and, and Harry knows that something is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dumbledore sends him back to, to Gryffindor to go get his invisibility cloak. And Harry pulls out the rest of the Lixus Felix and is like, hey, Ron, Hermione, I want you you both take a little bit of this, give a little bit to Ginny, summon the DA, summon the Order, whoever. Dumbledore won't be here tonight, and I think something bad's going to happen. And it does! Um, so, of course, they Dumbledore and Harry whisk away to, this, to the seaside that we see Voldemort, like, back as a kid, used to be mean to children when they took him there with the orphanage. And we learn that there is a Horcrux hidden in this, and the only way to get the Horcrux out is for you to drink this potion that is actively killing you. They get the they get the locket that's buried at the bottom of this. They get whisked back to Hogwarts, where they realize the dark mark is floating over Hogwarts as a whole, and they freak out. They're like, "Okay, cool." They hop on their they hop on brooms and they take off. And this is when we see Draco is waiting for Dumbledore in the astronomy tower. And he, he of course, Harry has his cloak on. Uh, Dumbledore stuns him in that last moment he has before Draco disarms him. And then we see kind of this this really heartbreaking moment of Dumbledore being like, Draco, you don't he's like Draco's like, I've gotta I have to kill you. There's literally no other option. And Draco and Malf or shoot. Dumbledore is like, Yes, there is. We can protect you. We can I can send somebody from the order right now to go protect your mother. Your dad's an Azkaban. They're not gonna mess with him. Come to the come to the good side. We can help you. And Malfoy is getting ready to give in. He's getting ready to and then the rest of the Death Eaters bust through the door. <sighs> if there was if they had gotten there slightly quicker, it would have been a great, great turning point of mm-hmm. Draco coming to the the side of right he was so close i know and we'll touch on that a lot more um when we get through this episode here this has been a really long (laughs) look we've been hopping so many and we'll just we'll just hop up the tempo just keep going right so anyhow so of course you see draco cannot kill dumbledore like he is supposed to so snape comes in and kills him Mm -hmm. um and harry is still petrified and is he's literally frightened he is Almost, like he is laying there terrified and of course with Dumbledore's death his spell like the spell is lifted but he is still frozen and stuck to the wall from shock mm-hmm. the Death Eaters and, and Draco disappear into the castle and Harry takes off running he leaves his invisibility cloak he just takes off running he has to catch Snape and he stumbles past the D, the DA the, like the handful of DA people who responded which is really just Luna and Neville and of mm-hmm. course Jenny Ron Hermione and the Order are all battling Death Eaters and Harry just keeps running through, and there's so much destruction. We realize that we get out to the yard. They are burning down Hagrid's hut, and and Harry calls out to Snape and is like, you coward. You kill me like you killed Dumbledore. And Snape's like, don't call me a coward. Um, also, by the way, I'm the Half-Blood Prince, um, and then just vanishes. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry then tells Hagrid that Dumbledore is dead. Hagrid breaks down. Um, and then it is Jenny who is the only one who is able to get Harry back into the castle. She kind of, she's like, come on. And they go up to the hospital wing, even though they're not injured. Um, we learn that Bill was attacked by Fredner Greyback, but he wasn't turned. He was just trying to kill people. Um, and he attacks Bill. And everybody is there, and Harry tells them Dumbledore's dead. And, and we see everybody have a different reaction to it. We see Lupin just panic, just freak out. Lupin just starts crying. Um, and then, of course, everybody else is in the state of shock. McGonagall is just 
like blown away she's just so afraid and we hear fox the the phoenix just screeching um and in comes molly weasley and fleur and and arthur weasley and we get this beautiful scene of of molly being like well he was gonna get married my beautiful son and fleur's like was no 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 no. i'm pretty enough for both of us i'm still marrying him he's still like the love of my life which is like a good scene for fleur and we'll talk on that a little bit too um Anyhow, so the, the, it continues on, and they decide to keep the school open. Um, they decide to lay Dumbledore to rest on the Hogwarts grounds. Um, and at the funeral, Harry breaks up with Ginny at the funeral. <laughs> We're just like, okay, Harry. And, and we see Harry have this realization that he's going to have to go off on his own. No matter what happens, whether he'd go to, for his seventh year or not, he has to go off on his own to hunt down the horcruxes right and that's that's also the reason he broke up with jenny right it's because he's going to hunt for the horcruxes and he even tries to to like distance himself from ron hermione he's like i'm gonna go to my aunt and uncle's house for a couple weeks because i have to um and then i'm leaving i i'm not coming back to hogwarts and hermione's like hey uh no we're going with you and then they're like hey you offered us an out you know six years ago and we didn't take it so we're not taking it now you're stuck with us we're going with you and then that's where where the book ends is this ag- agreeance that they're as soon as after bill and fleur's wedding they're just going to leave and track down the horcruxes with nothing um yeah that that was a really long summary and i'm sorry but <laughs> i feel like we hit on the necessary there's just so much that happens in this book it's 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 also it's like it's not the thickest book in the series. I think it's like the third, third or fourth. Yeah, third or fourth. So because like, Order and Goblet are both bigger than this, and I want to say Deathly Hallows probably I think it is, is too. too. Uh, it's but it is, it's it, it, like like we said, it's it's filled up. It's like completely jam packed with things that are make it really hard to decipher what is and what isn't important. Like the book's called Half Blood Prince, but like we barely talk <laughs> about the Half Blood right. Prince. Even <laughs> even when Snape pops by and says. By the way, I'm the Half Blood Prince. Like that wasn't the most impact. Dumbledore just died, and now you're <laughs> treating this like this is the big reveal. Also, I'm just we're just gonna pause real quick. We're gonna have a little bit of a of a moment here. Um, and I've said this multiple times. Uh, this is a Snape hate account. Um, let me tell you what, man does not deserve a redemption art, especially after this book. Um, we are left on this thought that Snape is the Snape just killed Dumbledore, even though Dumbledore trusted him. Um, also, this is a Dumbledore hate account, and we'll get into why because. But um, but no, Snape is literally one of the most out of I don't know when I think about characters that, th- that this book is about, Snape is not one of them, mm-hmm. and and the book is named after him technically, which is like the weird part. <laughs> I think we were joking off mic about like, hey, what would you rename this book if you could? And I still, <laughs> I, mine would probably be like Harry Potter and the Memory of Voldemort. Yeah, or like it's it's a lot better than. Than the current name. Harry Potter and I might be in love with Draco Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> Even like Harry, like I know it's only near the the end, but like Harry Potter and the legacy of uh, the, like the legacy of Riddle is a decent name. That would have been that'd been pretty pretty cool. It, it, but just Half Blood Prince, it it she came up with the name first. And, oh, that'll be real fun, <laughs> and then went. Oh shoot, that doesn't really fit. Uh. I'll just, just sprinkle in yeah. Snape. But if anyone would name themselves the Half Blood Prince, it would it would be, be Snape. Snape, Snape is Snape. just arrogant enough. Yeah. Um, and I think we, I guess we should go ahead and more of a joking point I have to kind of start off our our topics here, um, is the fact that 
wizarding or not tom riddle would have been a serial killer um boy collected trophies of children he like bullied bullied and beat on like oh that's yeah yeah uh, I have watched enough. I have watched 15 seasons of Criminal Minds to know that that's a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, he he definitely would have been a... The, the child was disturbed, not only because of his, his upbringing and the environment that he came from, but also because he's kind of... I, I don't know. He seems like he is not doing great in the, in the old headspace there. <laughs> right. And we see that even from a young age, Voldemort or, has this very, like... I can do it on my own mentality, which is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he's just met, learned about the wizarding world, he doesn't want he doesn't want Dumbledore's help. He doesn't want Dumbledore to come with him to Diagon Alley. Um, he doesn't want him to come with him on the train. He does not care. He goes, I'll figure it out. I've always done everything on my own. I don't need your help. And Dumbledore's like, well, okay, then. Here's how you get to Diagon Alley, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like... It's just one of those things that we're really starting to get the parallels between. This is where we learn all of the parallels between Tom Riddle, Harry, and even the parallels between Tom Riddle and Snape. Mm-hmm. Um, because we see, of course, Tom Riddle comes from a, a, a very a pure blood, like long line of wizarding. His mother is pure blooded. Um, of course, his father is a muggle. Was a muggle, and we see the Snape the same from Snape. Um, which I think is a little bit of like a, I still hate Snape and this is just another reason why is like the amount of parallels he has to Voldemort, which of course is not the purpose of this book. Um, we learn a lot of the parallels between, uh, between Voldemort and Harry. Um, we see this like, Harry has every reason to never want to love anyone. Harry has every reason to be a loner and, and this kid that just wants to do everything on his own. Um, but he's not. Um, and there's a lot of those, there's a lot of that heavy hinting throughout this book that the only reason Harry is not Voldemort is because he's capable of love. He is protected by love. He is able to love. And <laughs> we kind of joked about it in the review that like Harry's like, that's really stupid, but mm-hmm. okay. Um, and it kind of, kind of is. But, um, but we see that Voldemort literally is not capable of love because he was conceived under a love potion mm-hmm. which is like a fun little loophole of a love potion there yeah th- that's that's something i also want to touch on it's not really big enough for its own point but this book has a huge potion on uh, uh, sorry focus on just potions in general not mm-hmm. only like uh um ron gets love potioned in it uh for for a bit there uh voldemort's parent uh voldemort's parents get uh love potioned or rather just right um the the whole like the, the the luck potion the felix uh felix flux yes felix flux um and then just the entirety of slughorn and snape is like the two potions teachers are like the the main two teachers you hear about in this book yeah even though snape's not a big part of it it's just there is a lot of focus on potions in this and it feels like it was like jk rowling was trying to like flesh out that bit because really it, it had just been previously it was just like magical drinks and the teacher doesn't like Harry. That was really all right. she touched on in potions. And I think that I do respect that she was trying to put a lot more emphasis on it to show, like, listen, when you can just make a liquid that does stuff, it's kind of dangerous because you can slip it into things easily. And it's like the whole love potion thing. It was like, well, and we learned that that's how how Malfoy has been getting, um, like, how he ends up 
uh, allowing himself, like allowing Crab and Goyle to transform. He doesn't make the polyjuice potion. He steals it. Mm-hmm. He steals it from Slughorn. And you're like, like, I don't know. And I agree. I think there is such a heavy emphasis on potions. And even, I mean, what kill, what ultimately begins Dumbledore's death is a potion created by Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And we learn that the biggest connection in this book to Harry's parents is the fact that Harry's mom was really good at potions. And it's just so, there's such a heavy hand of potions in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also heavy influence of love in this book. Um not in the, the like, oh, yes, just friendly love. Everybody. No. Mm-mm, no, <laughs> this book is uh... so. <sighs> there are so many relationships in and out of this book, and I think this is the, the nice place to kind of hop into this. Mm-hmm. Um, we have three main, well, two main relationships and one relationship I want to touch on. We, of course, have the dynamic that has been building for multiple books between Ron and Hermione. I would say probably from Goblet of Fire, there's been the, like, yeah. The will they won't they of Hermione and Ron. Um and this book really hits the peak with it. Um we see Hermione gets grossly jealous of Ron being with Lavender. Um and we see that Ron is grossly jealous of Hermione anytime she's hanging out with a guy one on one or hanging out, you know. Um she takes McLagan to the to Slughorn's dance just to make Ron mad. And it works. And we see that cause a lot of rift between their friendship. But, of course, Harry can see that it's because they they like each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole relationship with Lavender Brown is just to kind of, I think, to stall them getting together. Um, but we see a lot of the, like, that kind of relationship there. Like, their friendship is affected by the fact that they like each other. And it's like, I don't know. It's This book is so reminiscent of high school for me for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like... Obviously not the whole, like, hey, my, <laughs> my professor's going to die in front of me. Also, there's a dude that's after me, and he splits his soul. But, like, the whole, like, oh, gosh, so the relation, a relatable bit. The re- right. Like, oh, yeah, same. Um, no, no, no. But the, the relationships in this book are so reminiscent of high school relationships in my mind. Mm-hmm. Specifically, like I said, the Ron and Hermione relationship of, like, just getting mad for random reasons and doing everything in spite of the other person is very, like, true. Also, I think it's kind of true to character to both Ron and Hermione. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we have Ginny and Harry's relationship, um, which we've seen, of course, back in the second book, that Ginny is just, like, infatuated with Harry. And she, she pushes it away. She's like, okay, cool. Hermione tells her, like, hey, listen, just stop, you know, being very outward about this this feeling and just be yourself. Ginny takes that, obviously, and gets to express her true character. And in this book, this is, like, the best book for Ginny Weasley, too. Mm-hmm. This one and, like, the next one we get to see a lot of Ginny Weasley, <laughs> but um, but we see uh, Harry starts to like Jenny, and in my mind, it's very like kind of true to like how I think a lot of like crushes start anyway. Of that, like, oh man, I wonder what they would think. Or like, hey, do you want to hang out? And then you're like, oh no, <laughs> these are feelings. And when Dean and Jenny break up, Harry's like, oh, okay, um, and I think. I, okay, I'm going to hop a lot of tangents here. I am very, like, scatterbrained right now. But th- I think there's a parallel to ma- be made between Harry and Ron. Uh, Ron is a gross kind of jealous person. Mm-hmm. He is he is toxically gross. Um, whereas Harry's jealousy is very, like, he's like, oop, put it down. Nope, we don't have, we're not jealous of, of Jenny and Dean. We're not jealous of Dean. That's not right. And, like, kudos to Harry. Yeah, he, he sort of bottles it up more than anything. Like, he is still jealous, but he's trying. I, I think he's, he's not- trying his 
fast. Yeah, and he's not rude to Dean Mm -hmm. about Jenny. He's not rude to Jenny about the fact that she's with Dean. He's not, like, benching him in Quidditch or anything like that. Right. And, I mean, heck, he actually, I mean... Not only was Dean a better flyer, but he's also like, you know, if they're together, then they're probably going to play well together. Like, it'll be fine. Um, whereas Ron is just nasty to Hermione. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Hermione's kind of nasty back, but that's a different. Um, but anyhow, Jenny and Harry's relationship is very sweet. And I also like the fact that when Harry, you know, tells her, like, I'm, we can't be together. I don't want Voldemort to use you as a tool against me. Like, he's already used you once, but that time it was just as my friend's sister. Like, can you imagine what he'll, like, what he would do to you now to get at me? And Ginny's like, you're going to break up with me for some noble reason, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. And she's like, I knew you were going to do that, but that's okay. Maybe that's why I like you so much anyway. And it's like very, like, mm-hmm. very adult of Jenny, who's 15 at this, maybe 16 at this point. And she's just like, she's 15, I think, yeah. Like, somewhere in that area. Yeah, yeah. But either way, she's just like, all right. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the relationship between Tonks and Remus. Um, hmm. I have a lot to say on Tonks. Um, in the last book, she is portrayed as kind of not necessarily the comic relief, but definitely the like the spunky side mm-hmm. character that she kind of embodies. And in this book, we see her kind of shut down as a character. She's only seen crying. There's multiple comments about the fact that she's only been upset and she appears at the burrow very upset and she's lost her ability to to change her features and her hair color and all, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 we assume it's because she's upset about the death of her of her cousin Sirius that mm-hmm. she became close to. But we learn that it's not. <laughs> we learn that it's because Rima, her and Remus don't get together and that's... Uh... <laughs> It's it fosters. She's such like an independent character that it's like her own thing, and she's very vibrant. And then they take it all away just because she hasn't seen her boyfriend in a little well, and bit. They're, and they're not even together. No, not not even like together she's yet. just she just is like likes him and has voiced that fact, assumedly. And he's like, no, because he's like you know, and and we see that in that la in the last chapter, next to last chapter, where Remus is like. You deserve somebody who's whole. You deserve somebody who's younger than me. And she's like, I don't care. And it's like, I don't know. And you got to think too is like Remus is probably going through some TM'd crap there too. Mm-hmm. His be- like his last of his best friends just died. Like, can you imagine? And he's also stuck in a werewolf colony, yeah. which is like a whole different reason that I'm going to scream about why we hate Dumbledore. <laughs> but there's just so much here and – and then we see that at Dumbledore's funeral, Tonks is bright, colorful again, and her and Remus have agreed to be in love, I guess? Yeah. And it just, it, it, it paints a very gross picture of the only way you can be yourself and full, you know, and, like, lively is to be with a guy, question mark? But um, I guess this is a good point to kind of turn over to this conversation that J.K. Rowling has with kind of both femininity and masculinity in this book. Um, so let's go ahead and start. I guess we'll just start with femininity. And I don't know that femininity is the right umbrella to use. But J.K. Rowling has a problem with writing girl character, like female characters that we are supposed to like be attached to as the not like other girls trope. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Jenny who, you know, uh, she's the tomboy who grew up with a bunch of brothers, who's good at sports and yeah. 
Um, and then we have Hermione, who is who's only sticks to the hard sciences, and like if she was in the Muggle world, would have definitely went into STEM. Um, and we see them and Molly Weasley as well being blatantly rude to Fleur, um, mm-hmm. like awful to her. Like they are like they call her just like she's ditzy and stupid, and you're like, oh. Yeah, and it's not it's not even like. It's not even like it is like a oh look at them they're being they're being catty or they're being jealous or anything like that. It is just they're being mean for the sake of being mean to her just because they they think that she's like she's not what they consider like okay and it's it's sort of the same thing that Ron does to everybody else if that's right. if time to turn into that. Right, and, and and on the flip side, we see Ron doing this to both Malfoy and then in Crabbe and Goyle and Extension too. In the conversation with masculinity, um, there's this, of course, the scene. Harry walks in on Malfoy crying, which is under. First off, it's very understandable that Malfoy is at a very raw emotional place. The Dark Lord is literally threatening to kill his entire family. Yeah. Um. He literally, this boy who is 16 at the most, is being told, "Hey, by the way, um, if you don't kill your the like headmaster of your school, I'm killing you and your mother." Um. Oh my gosh, like no wonder he's emotionally and he's failing. Mm-hmm. He's he has failed multiple times to kill Dumbledore. And of course he's at the very raw emotional place. And Ron's like when we learn that beforehand Draco had been crying in the bathroom to Myrtle, Ron's like weak. How dare you? How dare you be a man and cry? Yeah. It's and and once again it's just it's just sort of written as if JK's like mhm that that is that is an acceptable feeling to have. That is, you should make fun of people that cry. Like right. it's like, like these are our good guys. Yeah, these are our good guys, and they're not even getting like the because Ron is. This is another thing we kind of talked about. Ron is kind of progressively getting like, worse. Yeah, worse as a character. Like he's getting a lot more like haughty with himself and like uh, stuck up in like what he thinks, and he's like really rude to people. Uh, and like that does get addressed later on. However. In this, that's not one of the things that they talk about. They just kind of just like go, they they don't say anything of it. They right. don't mention it. They don't make it a point. They, it's just supposed to be for comedic effect, really. Just ha ha, look, he's crying. Funny, <laughs> right. funny. I think the only the only time we see Ron get like checked in this book is Jenny being like, "Hey, uh, you can't call me a skank." Um, to, to censor that, I guess. Um, he, she's like, she's basically like, "Hey, you can't slut shame me." Um. Because just because I'm hanging out with my boyfriend and being involved with my boyfriend, like that's just because you haven't, you know, that's just because you're being prudish because you've never been with a girl and that's why you're being mean to me. Like, how dare you? That's the only time we see Ron remotely get checked emotionally mm-hmm. in this book, um, which is saying something that it took him basically telling his sister that she's a whore <laughs> for him to do anything about it. Yeah, it's. It is. It's. It's really wild that it got this far. And, right. And that's what it took. It. It took him insulting his. Uh, his sister for being, her to snap. Yeah. Which and like okay and this is one of those things that in rereading the series that I've realized is like Ron used to be one of my favorite characters mm-hmm. and now I don't I can't stand him and maybe that'll change when we get into Deathly Hallows but I'm not. Because yeah. About it. Because thinking back. I used to just go like, "Ugh, Ron was pretty rough in Goblet of Fire," and I realized Ron's pretty rough in Goblet of Fire and on. Like that's right. kind of his thing. It's just he's 
he's bitter about like everything. It, yeah. He's being I'm not sure if we can say this, so this might get cut. But he's kind of being like an incel about like a lot of these things. Like right. He, he's he's being extremely toxic to to like everybody, every, everybody, ex, like including Hermione, which is somebody who, who he's supposed to like right now. Which but, and he like and I, J.K. Rowling is doing that whole like oh boys will be boys. The reason he's being mean to Hermione is because he likes her. no screw that. Excuse you. That that may fly on a playground when you're uh, like, like in kindergarten, and right. even then it's a little weird. But like Ron is being disgusting and. Like you said, like really from Goblet of Fire on. He's like 16, 17. He needs to be. He's being a, a punk. He needs to be an adult about this. At the very least, treat it with some level of maturity, not. Right. His mm. his little sister who just got dumped at their professor's funeral mm-hmm. is being like, I understand why you're doing this, Harry. That makes sense. And we see, like we said earlier, Harry reacts very positive, not positively, but he's not being toxic about his, his emotion. He is displaying his emotions as you would expect. He mm-hmm. is he's not snapping at Ginny because she's with Dean and she, he's not trying to sabotage Dean because she he's with Jenny. He's just like nothing I can do. And it it really feels like JK doesn't doesn't feel that there's anything wrong with either the way that uh the girls are treating Fleur or that uh yeah, that, that Ron treats anyone else. Right. Um you could make you could maybe make a case that this is supposed to be, since we always are supposed to be like comparing Ron to Harry, that Harry is responding correctly in the face of jealousy and Ron is responding incorrectly. But if that's what she's trying to do, she is not broadcasting that fact. Well, no, well. because especially because she's always broadcasting what she means very literally throughout these. And this right, is and I would, I mean, in my mind, if, if she was trying to check Ron, like be like, "Hey, guys, don't do this." First off, he wouldn't end up with Hermione. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Harry would be like, "Hey, man, stop." Yeah, and I guess we'll get a little bit of that in the next book, but but it's still, it's still. It's not to the extent, and it's not even talking about these things. It's talking about one specific event in the next Right, book. and and yeah, so Ron's being toxic, and I don't know that there's a redemption for him. Um, we'll see when we get in. Right. right? But there's going to be something, but it's, I still think my, my views of Ron are going to be a little tainted after this. Like I said, like I think, it, yeah, really. Like after this, re, like after rereading the series for this podcast, I've just been like, man, mm-hmm. I really hate Ron. <laughs> and... So one character I've actually grown to really like in this series, uh, in this reread, is Harry himself. <laughs> um, this book has so much, like, quippy, sassy Harry. Uh, a couple of the lines I mentioned in the review, we have, there's no need to call me sir, professor. Um, there's the... Oh, it's a nickname. They... <laughs> it's a nickname. And there's the scene, too. I I can't remember if this is movie only or if it, if it's in this book where he's like... Where he bumps into Slughorn, and Slughorn is like, "What are you doing alone, Harry?" And he's like, "I'm going down to see Aragog, of course." <laughs> and he's like, oh, "But you shouldn't." He's like, "Well, I won't be alone if you go with me, Professor." Which I think that's movie only. Now that I'm saying it, it's fine. Either it, the, way, the, the pitch stays the same. Of he, it's he's very. He's just so he's so. You know quippy. what? You know what is we we can use this instead. Uh, he's when they're at the funeral. He's like, "Hey, make sure you don't drink too much," and then magically fills up both Hagrid and Slughorn's drink. He's like, "Aha, stay sober." It's it's like really something that like 
I never liked Harry that much. He was kind of boring. Right. And I still think he's boring. He's not the be- he's by far not the most interesting character in the series. But he has a lot more than I think people give him credit for. Like I said, like this book, this book specifically is making me like, oh, you know what? Harry's like probably not one of my favorite characters, but he's like he's he's not he's not. He's like not a, as low on my list as he yeah. was originally. <laughs> he is now a competitor. He is not winning, but he's in the competition. He has not beat Remus Lupin yet. Or <laughs> he's nobody no nobody will ever beat Neville Longbottom. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's okay. I, I we don't have this on our notes, but I do want to talk. The fact that that Neville and Luna are the only two members of the DA from the, the previous year to respond to their, their panic call of like, mm-hmm. hey, we need everybody we can. Um, and it's, you know, they describe it as, oh, well, it's the two people who really miss the DA. And I think it's just because that they are loyal to Harry. Mm-hmm. Like, probably that it is, in fact, that they that they do miss the DA. Because it was, I mean, we see Neville really grow as a character in the DA. But at the same time, I really think it plays into that. They are ready to do what they need to do to save the school, to protect, you know, to protect the school and to support Harry where he where they can and i just neville's mentioned like three times in this book but i just love him so much um you know who i don't love dumbledore <laughs> all right that's uh, okay that's that's more of a segue for me <laughs> screw dumbledore honestly uh he is completely and absolutely manipulative through this uh book i mean he's he's manipulative through the, the series mainly right. starting at like i would say azkaban is where it really starts getting bad yeah, that's when it becomes one and, obvious. Yeah. One and two, he's kind of absent. You could maybe make a case that it's manipulative the way that he kind of just gave uh, Gryffindor the house cup. Right, but um, that's a different type of manipulation. Yeah. This is like the gross, gross manipulation. This is this is full-on grooming. He's And it starts as early in this book with uh, Dumbledore uses Sirius' death to manipulate Harry into doing things for mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. The boy just lost the only, like the last member of his family he knows of, and you're like, well, I know what your dad and Sirius would have done, and that's not it. And like, that's so messed up. It's 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 really messed up, and it's it's also what we ragged on Sirius for doing uh, in the previous book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's like a clear thing here where it's like these characters are doing messed up and immature things because. Kind of because they can. Dumbledore has a little bit more of an excuse, and I we're gonna touch on this in a second. But he's he, uh, all of this manipulation is so he can sort of groom Harry into being the ultimate stopping Voldemort machine. Mm-hmm. That is not okay, though. Like it, the the way he is going about it is manipulative. It is abusive. Just, yeah. It is disgusting. And it's literally okay. So like, even on a subtler note. That first scene we get of Dumbledore in the Dursleys' house is him manipulating the Dursleys. Yeah. Which is like, I've never felt sip- like sympathetic to the Dur- Dursleys except for that very that very moment. I was mm-hmm. like, as much as I hate Vernon Dursley, he's in the right. Like, if somebody barged into my house without notice at 11 o'clock at night and was like, oh, you should pour me a drink. No, I shouldn't. He's like, well, I'll do it myself. And you're like, this is my house. Get out. Um, Dursleys have a reasonable reaction in that. And it's just like, man, screw Dumbledore. Yeah. Also, um, as somebody who just absolutely adores Remus Lupin, the fact that Dumbledore is like, hey, uh, hey, Remus, um, I know that you really don't, uh, you know, 
vibe with the other werewolves because they because they have cast you out because in fact you live among the wizarding world um and i also know that a member of this pack happens to be the werewolf that turned you um how about you go deep underground and let me know what's happening that's so messed up it's it's messed up it's weird it's creepy it's also it shows zero consideration for remus just in general like like I, I, there's not really a parallel that I can make to getting infected by, by a werewolf. But like, his entire life was kind of ruined by this event. Like he got, he got completely infected by lycanthropy. He can't do anything. He can barely lead a normal life. Barely, and now he has he, to face that abuser basically, like head on daily. Like he has to live with him. Yeah. In this this colony of of werewolves and like I just man. Uh, there At the very so least, the many. small talk's gonna be horrible. <laughs> like, hey, how's your, how's your family? Oh, they're dead. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks. Like, also, I just mm, there are so many parts of this book. The Dumbledore is just disgusting. He manipulates Slughorn, um, which is like, mm, that's at least this is a grown man. He's attempting to manipulate, and he's mm-hmm. kind of just pushing, like you know, like oh well, Horace, let me, you know. That's a little different. Whereas, like he's he uses Harry to do the manipulating too, mm-hmm. um, and like for somebody who's so afraid that Harry could be like Voldemort, he's really trying to push that Voldemort's a good manipulator onto Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's ugh, gross, just gross. It's uh, Dumbledore is gross in this. However, I think the issue, the main issue that I have, is that. Once again, J.K. doesn't really write it that way. J- J.K. has kind of established like that he is a uh, he is a good character that is doing all these things for the greater good, and that's the biggest issue. Which this kind of goes into our uh, uh, J.K. Rowling hate account again. <laughs> but it's it's the fact that she J.K. Rowling has these weird sets of like morals or rather things that she doesn't really think of and just takes it at like story value, and it makes it very hard on a reread when you're like oh harry's literally being groomed and we're supposed to see this as the fun loving like guy who gave him a a birdie bots every flavor bean like originally like it's it's really strange It, it paints the entirety of the book series and dumbledore in general just in a really strange light and i oh my gosh there's just so many there were so many times in this book that i had to put the book down and be like oh my really there's a scene right after harry comes back from christmas break that first meeting he has back with dumbledore and he tells dumbledore what he told the minister of magic that you know that he's a dumbledore guy through and through and he's like yeah you know i am Mm -hmm. and dumbledore's like he tears up and he's like oh harry that's the nicest thing anybody said and then immediately he's like so let's go ahead and keep talking and you're like he just flips his emotions like a switch Mm -hmm. which is like a peak manipulation tactic anyway like A lot of a lot of hate on Dumbledore. <laughs> I, oh, there's just so many. I don't even. There are so many places in this book that Dumbledore is just awful. It's like I did not get upset during his death scene because he died. I get upset during his death scene because of Draco Malfoy. Yes. Um, and if you couldn't tell, Dumbledore is one of our main characters to talk about this yes. week. Um, and mainly, I, I think we've pretty much covered all of you our points. We kind of much Dumbledore. covered it. Uh, other than I think the one other thing that I I think we should say is that. Uh, Dumbledore doesn't really have an issue with Dumbledore talks about the Horcruxes 
He does not have an issue with somebody creating a horror crux, which is described as a pretty evil thing. He has an issue that uh, Voldemort would be so careless as to make seven of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of important going towards that Dumbledore has never really cared about these forbidden magics being used. He was okay with Moody teaching the, uh, the unforgivable curses. He was okay when he found out that they use these polyjuice potions and that they do all this forbidden magic sort of th things. He doesn't really care about that. He just cares about if the kids are okay at the end of the day. And I think that that's a little alarming. In in a normal school setting, a week up in the air, Gray, in a magical world where there's a, you can point a stick at somebody and say abracadabra and they die, <laughs> this is an alarming thing to be just right. sort of like so blasé about. Well, and like we also see it too that like Dumbledore's super secretive. Mm -hmm. First off, if you if you were trying to set Harry up to where he can destroy these horcruxes, you might want to tell him how to destroy the horcruxes. Maybe just maybe. Instead of also being like, hey, guess what, Harry? You already destroyed one. It's like, huh? And then, bleh, like, <laughs> yay. <laughs> yeah, like it's, uh, tell him. It's like, it was the diary at this exact time. It was because of the Basilisk Venom. It's like, you did very little. You could have helped them out a little right. bit more Right, and, like, and there's another thing, too. Like, okay, do not tell Harry, like, don't shut down Harry's theory of Malfoy and Snape when you know it's true. Mm-hmm. And... Don't expect him to have this blind faith just because you tell him to. And it's one of those things that, like, cool, you wanted Harry to trust Snape. Tell him exactly why he should trust Snape because he has so many reasons not to trust Snape. Like, if you want to set Snape up as this, like, this character that, yeah, he, you know, he's awful. But, like, Harry, you can trust him. Tell Harry why he should trust him. Mm -hmm. Tell your staff why they should trust him. It's... There are so many things that he that Dumbledore just rides on the fact that people trust him, so in extension they'll trust. How many times in this book specifically do we hear, well, I trust Dumbledore, I trust Dumbledore's, you know, perceptions, so therefore I trust Snape. Like, we hear Lupin say that three times. We hear Arthur Weasley say that earlier in the book. We hear McGonagall say it at the end where she's like, man, well, Dumbledore trusted Snape so much and he and he did that? Oh my god. Stop being surprised! Also, wild to me, wild, that McGonagall wouldn't be in at least even a little bit on this whole, like, shebang. Right, and I feel like if if Harry could have, and I, I mm, kind of like what we said earlier, of like Dumbledore's trying to, to, to set Harry up to succeed. He's not doing good at it, but he's trying. You would think he would make... Like, tell Harry, like, listen, if you need to talk to somebody about what is happening, if you need some, a, a higher up to bounce idea, ideas off of, Minerva, uh, like, Minerva McGonagall is the one you need to talk to. He just doesn't. Mm -hmm. He leaves McGonagall in the dark. He he leaves all of the important figures in, in Harry's life in the dark. And you can argue it's because last time he didn't leave people in the dark, you know, James and Lily ended up dead. But, but that's BS. It's, it's BS, and he's had good long time since then to think about these kind of things right like, like you mean to tell me like give at least one adult and harry harry is still a child um in this book he's still 16 years old harry's still a kid and you mean to tell me that you're you're gonna tell him hey there's no adults you can ever trust mm -hmm. have fun doing this on your own because i'm a head on out he could have warned harry that he was going to die you know that that Dumbledore himself was going to die 
he there's so many, if you if you still sympathize with Albus Dumbledore after this book after the amount of manipulation that is put into this book you were the worst mm-hmm. um ah uh, yeah yeah it really yeah and like i said the only personally the only upswing in dumbledore's entire character in this book is that last scene that he has between him and malfoy mm-hmm. um and i malfoy's uh, draco is the other character we're going to talk about this this mm-hmm. week um we have this just this I mean, it's absolutely heartbreaking. You have Draco who's scared out of his mind. He is doing one job, and that is only, and the only reason he's even going to try to do it is because his family is being threatened. This, it, you gotta remember, Draco's an only child, so like he's gonna be close to his parents. <laughs> but like, he he literally tells Dumbledore, "I have no other option. I have to kill you." And Dumbledore's like, "No, you have other options." And he's like, nope, I don't. I don't know why you keep saying I do. I literally do not. If I run away, he's going to kill me. He's going to kill my family. If I, if I fail, he's going to kill me. He's going to kill my family. He expected me to die doing this. And yet, some reason, I'm not dead yet. It's so heartbreaking. This is also a child. He's also 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, mm, it's just so, like I said, the only, the only silver lining in Dumbledore's character is him being like, no, Malfoy, you can turn. You can run away from this. We we will welcome you into into the order. We will welcome you under our protection. We will do what we can to protect you. Even then, though, that feels like manipulation right. on his no, part. No, he's trying to save himself. He's trying mm-hmm. to not only save himself. Realistically, realistically speaking, he is only stalling Draco so Snake can roll in and kill him, mm-hmm. which is different. You were going to say something, and I interrupted you, and I apologize. No, I was going to say, even if he did intend, I was getting there, but even if he did intend to actually try to bring him over, he wasn't going to protect his no. parents. Oh my god, no. Of course he wouldn't. He would probably use them as bait, like he has Lupin. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, like, I just... Man, I feel... My heart breaks for Draco Malfoy in this book. Um, for, for J.K. Rowling to have the audacity to give Snape and Dumbledore both redemption arcs and not give a redemption arc to Draco Malfoy makes me violently angry. <laughs> like, I, ooh. But we have just, Draco is a child. His dad failed the Dark Lord. So now this old man is telling him, if you don't kill your professor, I'm killing you. I'm killing your family. Um, and one of the one of the most upsetting things is, I don't think Draco realizes the extent of what he's doing. I don't, yeah. Because there's that little bit of a scene, um, in the same scene where he's going to kill Dumbledore, but after the other Death Death Eaters bust in, Dumbledore is like, I'm surprised that you would let Frenier Greyback come in here when you know that he prefers to hunt children. And Draco's like, and, and, you know, he's like, oh, yes, this whole, you know, he's like, well, Frenier says that. He's like, hey, Dumbledore, I'm in your school I, with all of these kids. And Dumbledore's like, I'm genuinely surprised Draco let you in here when all of his friends are here. And and you see the panic in Draco, like in, in Malfoy's face where he's just like, I didn't know he would be here. I knew that he would try to go out, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's so heartbreaking. I just, man. It makes me so upset. Like, he just doesn't. I just I don't I don't know what else to say. It's just like, man. Yeah, it's I mean 
he he gets it rough. He right. he really does, and it shows that he has not been. Okay, no, I don't want to. I don't want to mince words. He has been a prick throughout the. the oh, absolutely. Rest of it. However, this shows that it's not like fully his fault. He has been kind of manipulated by both of his parents for a while and by like Voldemort himself. And now even even in the most tender moments here, still Dumbledore, he's been kind of just led into thinking these things for a while, which is like you've gotten little bits of that throughout the rest of it. But this is where it really like you see mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah. And I think I think another thing too with, with Malfoy is kind of like like what they used to always tell you, you know, you never know what somebody's going through, so be careful who and it, it always reminds me of like the usually the school bullies are the ones who are going through the most at home. They are, mm-hmm. There is a reason, I mean, psychologically speaking, there is a reason that they are trying to create power within their school setting, and it's because they have none at home. And I think Draco Malfoy is that prime example. Of, this, is a, this is a boy who has been manipulated his entire life, who has been told that this, this dark legacy lays on his shoulders. And here he is. He, he's been dealt the hand that he can't there's no escaping it there's no there's no positive turn here and it's just so it's just so heartbreaking um any <laughs> okay so now that we're done with the deep and dark and sad um <laughs> i guess it's time for mvps and and, and lvps mm-hmm. I keep mixing up that acronym <laughs> uh, we're on six episodes now and i still can't get the acronym right Anyhow, don't worry about it um, go first? I'll, I'll go mvp first um, my MVP is probably going to be, mm, I'm going to say Jenny Weasley. Mm-hmm. Um, because we see Jenny Weasley, of course, maybe, I don't know, man, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, I'm, retract. Um, I'm going to probably go my MVP in this book. I'm going to get a little cliche. I'm going to go Harry. Okay. okay. <laughs> that's, that's fully, um, that's I understand he's the title character and he, of course, would naturally be the MVP of most of these books. However, I think this book specifically, we just see so much growth out of Harry. Um, so much, just this, this boy is now being dealt the difficult hand to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, he is being, t- he knows now that he ultimately will have to die. Um, he knows, well, he doesn't know that he's going to, he has to die. He knows that he is going to have to fight Voldemort to the death. One of them is not walking away. Mm -hmm. Um, he has learned that, you know, that his friends are in danger. He is learning at the end of this book, he realizes he has to give up the only home he's ever known. Um, and, and he's just, he grows up so much in this book too. Um, like I said earlier, we see, Instead of being the moody and angry Harry from Order of the Phoenix, he is he's grown up a lot. He despite the fact he has lost Sirius, um, one of the last parental figures in his life, he is still he's handling it with a lot more like I don't know if poise is the right word, but he's shouldering it a lot better. He's he's now like, you know what? Cool, I'm gonna honor them instead of instead of being upset about his death. There's nothing I can do. Um, and it's just, and we see, like you said earlier, like we see him really spread himself thin in this book. He is in so many places doing so many things and that's, that's tough. That's, and he's at that age where it's, it's rough anyway. And it Mm. just, man, Harry. (laughs) Um, yeah. So Harry MVP of this book, there's just a lot he has to deal with that he should not have to at 16 years old. So to you. (laughs) All right. Um, so. My MVP is gonna be Slughorn. Oh, and this is because okay. I'm not. I'm not saying that I. 
Slughorn has his issues. He's he, child collecting. He's, yeah, it's it's kind of weird. However, uh, and this is this is much to sort of harkening back to my first MVP. The plot would not really be where it was without him. Yeah. I mean, I if you take out Slughorn, you have to make a lot of you have to fill in a lot of gaps. He is kind of the MacGuffin for the for most <laughs> of this. He gets. He's the one who gives the uh, the luck potion, which is plays a whole bunch. He is the potions teacher, and it, it is the sort of fuel for um, uh, fuel for the half blood uh, prince arc of this, uh, along with Snape. Um, he is also like he gives the, the the crucial memories that are needed. He gives a lot of hilarity to it. A lot of this book kind of like revolves around Slughorn, or at the very least, his presence at the school. Also, it shows that. Even though he doesn't seem to be the best teacher, he's better than literally nothing, which is what Snape shows. Uh, Snape was, and it goes further into it is almost entirely about the teacher. Like even without the the cheat code book, uh, Harry was doing pretty dang well in potions. Right, I agree to that. Mm-hmm. Do you would you like in NVP for LVP first, <laughs> or should I take it first? Um, I'll do LVP. Uh, however, I feel like we might have some overlap. I I don't know. Mine's a little little different. Okay, okay. Um, my LVP is gonna be um Snape. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no. Mine's a different different direction. So go for it. I thought I was gonna be Snape. You're gonna be Dumbledore for sure. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, Snape, just because, like I said, he is a. uh, It's similar to Slughorn. He is uh, a main part of this book. But if you take out the like Half Blood Prince arc of this. It stays primarily the same. Um, not only that, but like Snape's uh, the moments that Snape does have in this book, I think it would just be better without. Like I, I, en- I don't want to say I enjoy. I, I like the that he is the one that kills uh, Dumbledore. Um, I think that it's it's important that it's it's like th- that that happens. However, I don't like that it's supposed to be like he is saddened by this too. He doesn't really have any feelings on this. We, we have ragged on Snape enough. I just want to I want to get it out there. That <laughs> not only is he not useful to the plot in this, but every time he shows up as something, he's someone useless. else could have. Yeah, he is useless, and someone else could have filled that role significantly better. Also, fear should not be your teaching tactic. Yeah, fear hot should take. not be your teaching. That's not even a hot take. No, that's a big reason. That is a Luke take, lukewarm take. <laughs> that is a that is a room temperature take. <laughs> um, my. See now I'm gonna I'm gonna be the controversial one here. My LVP is going to be Ron Weasley. That's okay. Um, I, I mean I kind of hit on that a little bit, but uh, Ron is just grossly toxic to almost every other character around him in this entire book. The way he handles his relationship with Lavender is disgusting. The way he handles his feelings for Hermione are disgust like is disgusting. Um, he's really even gross to Harry a couple times. Mm-hmm. He, we see him be gross to Dean and to Ginny, and I just. Man, no. Screw Ron Weasley. Um, We were talking earlier about it. Like, Ron used to be one of my favorite characters, and this reread has really made me hate him. Mm -hmm. And this book specifically has made me really just be like, "Mm, that leaves a sour taste in my mouth. So It's so weird what, like, we choose to, like, forget about these characters. Right. It's it's something that I, I, like, I really appreciate that we're doing a reread of these and not just, like, going going through. 
because well, it is something that I would not have I would not have remembered right. about this. And I think and and we were I know we were talking off mic about this, but I think this is a good point to kind of bring up at the end of this episode is how like movie and fandom perception of characters has affected how we read and perceive these characters. Oh, totally. Um, like, I, I, like Ron is a prime example. Like. I know that a lot of my like positive feelings towards Ron came not from the series, but from how other people have perceived Ron. I'm like, yeah, you know what? He is a good character. And, and uh, yeah. And like, same thing with like Sirius and, and Lupin. And then um, even with Dumbledore too, like the more positive side, I forgot how manipulative Dumbledore was until reading this book. Like I knew he was somewhat manipulative, but in this reread, there were a handful of times I was like, Oh my gosh, that is awful how dare you um so yeah i think i think this is that's a good place to have this conversation about fandom perception mm-hmm. so so yeah um this is starting i don't know if this is necessarily a ron hate account but for this episode it is mm-hmm. <laughs> let, let, like we said earlier it might get better in the next yeah book, but i think if so it's only gonna be towards the end and it's not right. gonna be a full, it's not it is it's not, not a full, a full redemption arc yeah the best i think he is at his best in prisoner which is ironic to say because he is like he has like six seven scenes maybe in prisoner right he, well the one scene that he really had well yeah i don't know, even think about it. he was gross in prisoner too yeah a little bit because he's he's gross to hermione in prisoner mm-hmm. um because of shanks so maybe this is just realize having the epiphany that ron isn't the best any <laughs> well obviously next week we'll be talking about deathly hallows as we kind of close up the series um there's just this is a lot mm-hmm. it's a lot we'll also be uh hitting you with our all-time mvp and lvps yeah. uh, for that so let, let's see if if we stick to our true guns on who we believe. <laughs> like if we're gonna go for favorite characters or if we're gonna go for overall, we'll 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 both see how that goes. Right. I think I think next episode too we'll have a little bit of a. I think that's a good time to have our final ranking of the books. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I yeah. really need to think on it now after reading this. I though. know this is really this this book specifically is thrown a wrench in my usual lineup mm-hmm. of the books but that's a conversation for next week as well um so like i said thank you guys so much for listening and dealing with the the chaos that has been this episode <laughs> um so yeah we'll catch you soon adios bye <laughs>have been listening to The Classroom, a United Tude production. Feel free to tune into our parent station, 91.7 FM of Morgantown, West Virginia. There will be a new episode of The Classroom live on United Tude every Friday at 11 a.m. And if you're out of our earthly reach, feel free to stream United Tude at unitedtothemoose.com. Simple, right? On our homepage, not only can you find us, but you'll also be able to stream new alternative music and podcasts from a lot of our friends here at the station. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll catch you all soon.